from the guys behind Apex Tech Tutorials and the JR Guide comes a podcast that covers everything and anything relevant to being an Atlassian admin. We cover the latest news, updates in the Atlassian ecosystem, cover the best practices for your Atlassian tools, and interview the movers and shakers within the community. Because we didn't choose the JR Life, the JR Life chose us. And welcome to episode four. It wasn't brains that got me here. I assure you of that. Now, I am missing my counterpart for right now. I'm hoping that um, his internet problems go away. But Ronnie, if you're listening to me, um, make sure you don't leave me here all by myself. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know that I can run a show all by myself. But we're going to try. We're going to try to give you a fun time here. Um, usually I have a lot more banter going on. All right, so he is coming. So I'm just going to do what I do best, and that is completely stall and try to entertain you with all kinds of dad jokes and complete nonsense while Mr. Ronnie jumps on this call. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, automation jobs. And if you haven't used your automation rules, it's a blast. You're going to definitely want to stick around for that. And I also, we're going to make some new announcements about some potential changes coming to the podcast. So we're really, really excited for that. Now, I do see Ronnie joining here. So um, we are, we're getting ready to uh, to get Ronnie in here. There we go. Mr. Ronnie had me sweating here and it's not the 80 degrees that is outside. <laughs> Although I do have to keep my, oh, no, I don't see, hear audio from your end. I um I have to keep all my windows closed because that's I live in Southern California and, and our air conditioning is opening and closing the window. And um my HOA for the first time in like a year, they decided that today at this exact moment would be when they were gonna do all the landscaping for the HOA. So I have I'm encapsulated inside my office to not hear Can you hear me now? Yeah, and hear you. Yay. It's been, uh, we were talking the other day about meetings and someone decided today to schedule a meeting right before our podcast. <laughs> and it was so yeah. high enough, I couldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how it goes sometimes. But uh, Andy was poking fun at you. He's saying that my internet train connection is better than your your uh, home internet right now. So. <laughs> How's that it going? Was. It was. Earlier this week, Candy was absolutely right. Um, fun fact, my um, router, my router died. Um, rest in peace. So I have a new one, which means now I have a 2.5 gigabit per second um, connection to the cable modem, which means I get a lot faster internet now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so we had uh, what we used to have. I don't know. I, I guess I must have scared everybody away. We, we had a few people here <laughs> hanging out in the lobby. Um, Andy was on. Clef Graphics or Sonia, your uh, admin, learned everything from watching ATEC. Look at that, a true fan. And um, <laughs> so, so let's just jump into it. I introduced everything. I, it was basically, it wasn't brains that got me here. I can assure you of that. Um, but feel free if you want to do any other formal uh, introduction, then we'll just, just jump into today's topics. Yeah, let's jump in. All right. Um, so 
we are going to be making some changes to the episodes and the way we structure everything. We're still working on it, but I wanted to give you all the teaser. I wanted you to kind of have a feel for what's going on. Uh, we want this show to be as much about you as it is about Jura and a whole lot less about us. Um, we're just two guys here that have nothing better to do in, on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon. And so <laughs> we want to, we want to really make this a community driven um, podcast where like we just give you all the opportunity to really have a voice to build a sense of community. And so uh, Robert's not able to join us today. At least I don't think he said he was going to be in a, at an onsite today. And, but the, the peanut gallery is really an area here that, that we want to focus on. And in case you're not sure what the peanut gallery is, it's the comment section. It's what makes this podcast a billion times way more fun than just Rodney and I talking about all things Jura, because we already know that we spend 12, 14, 16 hours a day talking about all things Jura. So mm -hmm. that's no fun, right? What's going to make it fun is kind of getting to hear your guys' thoughts, your opinions, just your questions and stuff like that. So what we're going to do is at the beginning of each episode, and we're not going to start it with today, but we're going to definitely um, be implementing this hopefully in the future. And Ronnie, you're hearing this probably for the first time, unless you're <laughs> at the Jira ticket. <laughs> but we want to encourage you, right? We want to encourage you to interact and talk and, and kind of be a part of here at the peanut gallery. And then at the end, we're going to just answer questions. We're going to help uh, bring to light those questions and those memorable moments from the peanut gallery. And we'll kind of just talk about them and discuss them um, at the end. So you want to stick around to see if your comment, your question gets selected so that the experts here um, dissect your question and, and help answer whatever whatever might be holding you up in life. But that's, again, coming soon. Uh, for today, we'll kind of keep it going how we've done it in the past. But we again, we really, really do want to build uh, this momentum and this focus on, on you, our audience, and, and the community that we're trying to build here um, with, with the Jura Life. Any thoughts, Rodney? Right. No, sounds brilliant. Um... I will say we do have a um, topic from last week that I think we're going to turn into a regular segment as well. Um, and that is the How Not to Jira, Jira Fell of the Week. Yep. So so we are, so, so to kind of just explain to everybody a little bit of the logic here, right? And it's piggybacking off of what I just said. We, we want this to be as community driven as possible. We want, um, we want you all to kind of help bring the Jira life to life. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and the way we want to do that is we just want to break it up into segments. We want to have a variety of different segments where throughout the week and throughout the days, like basically starting tomorrow up until basically next Thursday that we record the next episode, we want to like interact with you all. We want you to have a voice. We want you to have a platform where you where you feel like you can talk and be heard and then have a place where we can showcase and highlight those thoughts, those concerns, those questions, those that feedback that you may have. And and so what we're, we're, we're what we're going to do, if I could speak proper English, <laughs> is create like segments throughout the podcast. So it's kind of transitioning. Right. So it's not just one monotone thing and it's not just me or just Ronnie kind of bantering about something, but giving you all an opportunity to really participate and, and just contribute with your questions, your fails, your whatever else, the other segments that we're working on here. And I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be great where we get a lot more interaction from you y'all get to participate in ways that you probably don't get to participate in other channels, right? Like with a tech tech tutorials, like you have the comments and that's it. And every once in a while I'll make a video based on a comment, but there's really just, you come to learn, but here we don't want you to just come to learn. We want you to become and be a part of something much bigger, much greater 
and it's gonna that's kind of how we're shaping this podcast a little bit differently than than other um jura-esque or agile or atlassian-esque um, type of channels yeah and before we get too much further um I'm going to share something that I was just sent. Um, just give me a moment to get this up here. Wow. Screen share. There oh. we go. Um, Andy just sent me a live <laughs> shot from him and the Jira Life waiting on his train connection. <laughs> nice. And that we're, is we're gonna live from the Senate Gallery. Way. Send us a picture from where where are you watching the Jira Life from? <laughs> we'll have to add that to our 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 sections here. Awesome. This is Andy. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. I honestly thought you were driving last time, and I'm like, this guy <laughs> must have a Tesla or something where he's got that autopilot on full blast because there's no way that uh, he should be driving and listening and or watching this podcast at the same time. So, so Andy, thank you very much. Um, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you come in and out as your internet as intermittent uh, throughout the train. All right, so you want to jump into today's topic? Uh, we want to talk automation rules. Dun, dun, dun. Um, dun, dun, dun. So what do you think? Uh, let's introduce an automation rule first, and then maybe we can go into some of our favorites. Um, actually, I'm still switching gears here. I said a hard stop. <laughs> Um, if you could get started, um, I'll bring up my notes. <laughs> I'll I'll get I'll get it going. And Mr. Rodney is is transitioning from day job to night job, and uh, he's he's needing a little bit of a little bit of a warm up here before we <laughs> we get the get firing on all cylinders. So automation rules. If you haven't tried them, highly 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 recommend you try an automation rule. So. Um, I do believe everybody, whether you're on the free tier, standard, premium, or even enterprise, y'all should have access to automation rules. And there's two different ways to set up, at least in the cloud, right? So I, every time that I'm talking, folks, you got to assume 100% we're talking cloud. And whenever Rodney's talking, you got to assume he can talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah. Most likely he's going to be data center, right? But um, with me, I don't got access to any data center. I don't have that kind of money and resources so it's only the cloud i'm on the 599 group here folks that's all i'm making here so we we're talking um jira cloud okay so automation rules right depending on again whether you're on the free standard or premium or even enterprise you're going to have a variety of different options now the automation rules are going to be the same you get the same functionality regardless of which tier of atlassian you're in but how many rules you can run will be dictated by the premium or the tier that you're in. So, but worry not because it's kind of like a, a fake limitation because there's a really, really big workaround, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, if you haven't tried an automation rule, just to give you like the cliff notes version of what a, or if I had to explain it to my five-year-old, right? You do something in Jura and then you come back tomorrow and you do it again. And then you come back tomorrow and do it again. And then you come back the next day and do it again. Or you create, as the name implies, an automation rule, and Jira will kind of just do it based on a specific condition or some sort of trigger. So it's basically Jira working for you on your behalf and just being like your own personal assistant, if you will. It's really, really neat. I remember my very first automation rule when I ran it. I was like, oh, gasp. <laughs> this is revolutionary, <laughs> game-changing. Um, and, and I have built quite a few hundred 
hundreds and hundreds of different automation rules. And we're going to just kind of be talking about some of our favorite ones and some of the capabilities uh, for the first half of this episode. So if you are tuning in for the first time here, just make sure you smash the subscribe button. Make sure you drop a like and let us know in the peanut gallery, aka the comment section, who you are, where you're from, what are you interested about here? And um, and Ronnie, with that, hopefully, are you warmed up? Are you ready? I think I am. I think, think I am. So let's kick it off. Let's let's talk automation rules. What, what's, what do you got to add? So one of the favorites I had to work on previously um, that I really like to showcase, because this is just a great time saver. Um, it doesn't. It's not very complex. It's not a lot to maintain. It just saves your team time. This team was... Every sprint, they were doing a release. Um, so that was their mindset. Their sprint is a release, and they want to show that in Jira. So what they were having to do is they'd go through in their ceremony, they'd close the sprint, they'd go through a retrospective, and then the uh, project manager would have to go back and manually release the um, Jira version to match with their sprint so they could show this was the release associated with that sprint. There's no need to do that. Um, in automation for Jira or automation rules, um, as it's called in the cloud, um, you could have the sprint completed action or trigger. So every time they'd complete their sprint for their given project, it'd go and release the um, currently unreleased version that was next up. And that would just save them a little bit of time. Yeah. And, and for everybody here watching, why don't we walk them through the breakdown of an automation rule, right? Because you, you said a couple of really technical terms here that we just don't necessarily <laughs> know. So we'll switch over to screen sharing, and then we'll try to be very descriptive for the audio. <laughs> All right. Give me one so, moment to reshare my screen. Oh, you were doing it. It was ready to go. Ah, I didn't realize this kept it up after I brought it, it down. It wasn't on the screen, but yeah, it, it was able to show it to us. Perfect. All right. Go so go ahead. Go ahead. You sure? <laughs> yeah. All right. So an automation rule starts off with a trigger. Something needs to be the catalyst. An automation rule can't just like magically exist. Something or someone needs to, and really mainly something, needs to kind of jumpstart it, give it that little push, that little kick that it needs in order to get, uh, in order to actually do something. Now, you have a lot of different options, as we just saw on the screen. And what Ronnie's doing right now is he's basically picking just one of them. He's picking the sprint completed. And this basically means that Jira's listening the whole time. Jira's just kind of paying attention all over everybody's Jira. And this is the best part, right, Ronnie? Because this is not something that your scrum master or somebody needs to go manually do when they close the sprint. Jira's just actively listening for any closed sprints. Specifically a sprint on this SD board, right? And again, this mm -hmm. is what makes it this whole automation stuff beautiful is because once you set it, you can definitely forget it. You're not having to monitor this. Assuming you set it up correctly, then it should just go. It should just work by itself and it's going to be able to um, take, do very, very what I call magical things because I really do believe I can describe Jira automation rules or automation for Jira, apparently as I just learned right now, as a magical thing. <laughs> so... Why don't you walk us through some of the next steps then, Ronnie? All right. So once you add your trigger, which, again, is just what's kicking off this automation, we've got two options. Well, three options. We have a condition, a branch, and an action. 
Gnishin says, okay, we know something has happened. Let's set something up where it'll only trigger or only perform the following actions if a certain condition is true. Um, very similar to how workflow and conditions work, where um, if um, the conditions are met, the workflow or the um, automation, in this case, won't even run. And, autom and let me stop you here real quick. These conditions, folks, are critical. You don't need to always put a condition. But if you're like on the free or standard versions of Jura, I implore you to really consider conditions because if you don't, then whatever your trigger is, is going to trigger an, auto an automation kickoff, right? It's going to trigger a response. And this kickoff can happen consecutively. For example, there's a, a trigger for like every time an issue is created. Well, if you have 200 projects and 5,000 users, well, guess what? <laughs> this thing's going to be firing off a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't like, I don't understand, like, honestly, Rodney, like how Atlassian servers don't crash with the number of automation was just always running because I've had like a, I, I've had a Jura instance where I'm just like every second, every millisecond of the day, this thing's just firing off all day. I don't think I've ever seen a stop. And so adding conditions is going to make it such that they don't always fire. It'll kind of do a quick check. But the soon, as soon as it fails a condition, it's going to halt and it's not, and then it's just going to go to the next one. So I think from a resource perspective, right, we're trying to be environmentally friendly, so to speak, with, with our Jira resources, you're going to want to add conditions. And more, even more important, right, if you're on those, those standards and free versions of Jira Cloud, you're limited to how many automation rules you can run. And so you don't want to get dinged for pointless automations that don't need to be executed uh, unless a specific condition is met. Yeah, and um, one of my favorite things to do um, with this is, um, again, I'm loath to have a custom field just for something like this, but to have a custom field run automation, true, false, and multi, um, single select, and do a field compare, and it says, oh, um, you create an issue, you set that run automation to true, this um, select, you go, oh, that field is true. I'm going to run the automation now, otherwise have it default to false and it won't run the automation. Let's talk about so, new branch. New branches are interesting. They're powerful. Yeah, branches. The way I've always understood it is, let's say you have a trigger that returns a whole list of um, issues. This allows you to run this um, automation on that whole list of issues on each issue. Um, yeah, so, but more importantly, right, like, just keep this screen up here for a second, folks, like, when, when a condition happens, right, you can take effect on a, either an upstream or downstream issue, whether it be your parent, or whether it be an epic, or whether it's going to be the, the subtask or the children, right, or you can even do it on, like, linked issues, uh, and it's just, it's really, really interesting to just kind of, like, be able to pass the baton type of thing and, and have a very interesting um, dynamic as to like, you're not limited to just like whatever your issue, whatever issue you're working on, you're not limited to just that issue. You can actually expand and even use mm -hmm. like JQL here to build custom queries that whatever comes true, then that executes. This one be great for run. Let's say your triggers run every day at midnight. Look at all the issues created the previous day and change some value or set some value. 
Um, and that's easy, incredibly easy to do with JQL. Absolutely. So now, that's I, one branching. of my personal favorites here is I'm always doing something for the Epic. So I've seen people where they're trying to do like destination issues and trigger issues. And I'm like, folks, all you need to do is like Epic parent and you're going to impact something upstream. Or if you're at the, if you're at the, like an Epic, then you just go to your child. I'm not sure if you have them on there somewhere, but I think it's probably the first, maybe down the story. So your stories is going to be, so if you're, if you're triggering something on an Epic level and you want to like, let's just say that you want to like sum up all the story points for your um, stories, right. And show them at the Epic, right. Well, you can use this stories one to basically do some automation for each story in that epic. You're gonna run through it and do something. This is really also very common and popular. And let's just say that you have an epic that has like three stories. When one of those stories moves to in progress and you want that epic to move into in progress, well, that's easy, right? You can just say, hey, if if I transitioned and I am an epic or and I am in a, a story, then go grab my epic and transition it, right? Or alternatively, um, let's just say, go ahead. I mean, or um, I'm closing out my stories. That's what I'm going to close out subtasks. <laughs> yeah, right. So and then just so it just it it does like a trickle domino effect. It's really really powerful. Um, it's kind of hard to visualize, folks. The only way to really kind of understand how these automation rules work, and this is like a common theme we've had throughout the last four episodes here, is you just gotta try it. You literally just got to jump into the automation rules totally free for everybody. So you should be able to just start making automation rules. And, and Ronnie, we jumped straight into the automation rule. We might want to teach folks how to get into them because there's two different ways to get into the automation rules. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah, just go in and try it and, and just kind of play with it, right? Like try each one of these uh, different branch rules because I can guarantee you these branch rules is what's going to take your automation schools, skills to the next level beyond the basics of like, copy a value from here, copy a value over there. Yeah. All right, so that's the branch rules. Now we get into the juicy bit. The action. The actions. Now, before actions. we do, folks, we have a couple oh. of people that are joining us. So make sure you join us in the peanut gallery. Say hello, a.k.a. the peanut gallery is the comment section. So tell us hello, who you are, where you're coming from, why are you here? What are you excited about? Make sure you're also subscribed to the channel. We are 183. We've significantly slowed our growth, folks, but we are trying to hit that 250 mark. So if you haven't subscribed, you made it this far, you're going to want to definitely smash the subscribe button. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that, sorry, Ronnie, we just had a, we have a, quite a few people in the in the group here. And I want to make sure everybody knows that they're welcome to join us in the peanut gallery. Let us know who you are and get a conversation going. Yeah, um, no, no problem. Um, we love hearing you from... Yeah, we love hearing from people, um, their experiences, their um, knowledge, or just feedback. So, yeah. Um, going back, actions are what's going to happen, what you want to do. Um, so, and there, these is this is the largest section within um, the automation rules because there are so many things you could do. A lot of stuff. Uh, there are new things that I'm seeing for the first time here, and I'm in automation roles, both in cloud and in data center, a lot. So they're adding new stuff. Before. <laughs> I'm, are these new um, like because you have a plugin, or are these new because Atlassian pushed them out to everybody? Um, this is your instance, so... <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time to switch over. 
this is my instance. <laughs> nice. So, so this is something. Just, so we don't touch this instance. So it's definitely uh, this is just what what Atlassian has pushed out to everybody. Yeah, and this is the thing. Atlassian is actively updating the automation rules, especially in cloud. Um, one of the big points they made during Team Twenty Three during the keynote is they want to not only integrate and automate within the Atlassian platform, but within your entire tool stack. And we're starting to see the hints of that with um, the AWS and Azure integrations. Yeah, no, um, I've one of my favorite integrations is the Git branching stuff. I don't know if you can come down to show those off, but being able to... Um, this is really, really, really awesome, folks. Like, so some common scenarios is your developers are going to be living inside of their GitHub or Bitbucket, right? They have to create their branches. They have to do their commits, right? That's not a negotiable thing. Like, that's something that they're just going to have to do because welcome to software development, right? But updating Jira, totally optional. Totally, totally mm. optional. It's so optional that Mr. Ronnie here has to remind everybody, have you updated your Jira status today? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so what better way to not distract your developers, right? What better way to not add additional burden to your developers, but rather than the moment that they create their branch, have Jira do something for us, right? Update Jira, right? So we can have a trigger on a branch being created. Obviously, we're in the actions now, but we can have a triggers down below here that are very DevOps centric, right? So we can have like when a PR is created, we can have a little bit higher. There we go. We can have when a yes. branch is created, when a commit's created, when a deployment's failed, when a pull request is convert created, when a pull request is merged. So your developers can stay within their development environment and Jira magically is updated all by itself. And then that way, then Jira doesn't, then Mr. Ronnie doesn't have to remind everybody to update their Jira status today. Um. A trick about that outro, um, the biggest person I'm talking to when I write that is myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're just reminding yourself that that you should um, uh, update your own statuses. <laughs> yep. Sprint completed. Oh, man, I totally messed up your, your train of thought there. It happens. <laughs> I will live until I don't. <laughs> Well, let's hope that we got a long life ahead for us, Ronnie. <laughs> I'm not ready um, to go quite yet. All right. So back to the automation rule I was originally talking about. It really is as simple as, okay, sprints completed on this board. Release it. We could have specific version names, release dates, whatever. Um, but yeah, just... Sure. And it's and that it, simple. Yeah. And obviously, you got to give it a name. Now, some tips, some tricks here that you may not know to just kind of elevate your automation rules to the next level. You can do triggered automations. And what this basically means is the moment that we release something, maybe we want something else to happen. And so it is very much possible for us to create another automation rule where the trigger is issues released. I don't know if that's possible, right? But assuming that that is possible, right? Then some other trickle down uh, effect can happen. And in order to do that, Ronnie, if you do me a favor, why don't you click on rule details here or give it a name? 
We need a we need like a Ronnie's typing sound bite. <laughs> all right. So why don't you click on rule details here? And yeah. I don't know if you all know this, but there's a checkbox there that says allow rule trigger. This is the checkbox you want to check on your like domino um, rule because when you check this, as soon as one rule runs, the output of that rule can be the trigger of the next rule. And it's just, it goes trickle, trickle, trickle. And I love that. That's probably one of my favorite features of automation because again, it, it, it expands your thinking from just this micro way of like, okay, I'm just going to copy the value from my Epic or something, right? To like, I'm going to do something pretty grand. I'm going to do something pretty like sophisticated with my automation rules and just like completely automate a, a pretty tedious process. That being said, and this is less concern in a cloud and less concern nowadays because they've done a lot of optimization and automation rules. But if you remember my fail from last week where I had one epic would create hundreds of stories and subtasks because the manager was um, a bit of a control freak. Um, that's how I did it. Um, the first automation would trigger when the epic was created, create all the stories. When those stories were created, that would in turn create all the subtasks. It would just tree on down. But doing all that at once over hundreds and hundreds of issues. I think that's appropriate to remind everybody the ep the title of today's episode, folks. It wasn't brains that got me here. I can assure you of that. Yes, um, yes. With that said, I'll go full Uncle Ben on you. Is with great power comes great responsibility. You want to test. <laughs> you want to test your stuff. And, and you want to validate them, right? You want to run it. And then you want to create a safe space. You want to create a scenario where maybe instead of your action being create a bunch of issues, you create a comment or you send an email out, right? Because then that way, if you get bombarded with 200 emails, you know what happened. You know something's not quite right. Are you deleting I remove this. But <laughs> well, I mean, we can go here. just make a new one. So I do want to explain. So, so for everybody on the call here, right at the beginning, I said like depending on the tier that you're in, at least with the cloud, there's different ways to do your automation rules. So if you're on the free version or on the standard version of Jira, you're only going to be able to do what's called a project rule, and that means that as you see on the screen here, when you go to a project like we are in the Jira life, and you go all the way down to the bottom left corner, and you go to project settings, then there's going to be an automation section. And when you click on this automation section, then you're going to be able to create a rule that applies on this project. Okay, again, free version standard. This is kind of the rules you got to play with. But the moment you're on premium or enterprise, you can actually do global. And so global is up on the top next to that create rule. And now you can create a rule that runs on all of your projects. So for example, summing up story points from your subtasks up to your story that's probably a rule that everybody in your company, everybody in your team is going to benefit from. So you want to want to, for every single Jira project, recreate it because that would be no good for anybody, right? But if you make it a global, then it's just going to work for everybody. Now, there is a usage. So if you click on that usage bar there, I want you to be mindful. I want you, it's right in the middle there. I want you to be mindful, right? So each one of these will kind of have some sort of limitation. Now, I apparently, on this one, because we're on the free version of Jira, you only get 200 executions. But if again, if you're going to like premium and beyond, you get hundreds of thousands. Like it's a, some re really crazy number. 
Now, the, there and is if a you worker. get data center, you get unlimited. Do you really? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. I didn't know that. We kind of get unlimited. <laughs> I've never, on the premium and enterprise, I've never hit a limit um, ever. But again, that's kind of the part that worries me. It's like, I wonder what kind of optimizations Elastin must have in the background. And and I, I really would like some sort of a cleanup. Uh, well, actually, why don't we transition over to our next topic? Things that we would like Atlassian to do better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you were saying? So things that we would like transition, <laughs> uh, things that we would like Atlassian to do a little bit better, right? So when you are an admin of Jira, like you are going to be creating a bunch of stuff, a lot of statuses, a lot of um, priorities, a lot of automation rules. And over time, right, over time with multiple different cooks in the kitchen, multiple different admins, attrition, users coming in, being offboarded, the longevity of how long you've had your Jira for, um, it it can get I'm trying to find a YouTube appropriate word <laughs> for, for how to describe messy. 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 Messy is a good word. It can get a little messy. And and so it'd be great <laughs> if, if there's just a, a um Atlassian on the on the automation side, help us out with that. Now, not all hope is lost. All, all, even though this channel is not sponsored by Renware, over on the Apex side, in very, very near future, um, we're actually working uh, with uh, Lorenzo from Renware where they have a, an app called Instance Auditor that actually shows you the mess <laughs> and very, very explicitly shows you all that different mess. So keep an eye out on Ape Tech Tech Tutorials over here. We're going to be doing a, a product showcase of Instance Auditor for Jira very, very soon here. Um, but this is the kind of stuff that, like, if we can see automation rules, I don't know that I saw it in, in Instance Auditor, but automation rules is one of those things where it's like boundless pages, right? Because I'm, I'm creating so many automation rules. And, and I forget, like, I, I like to be able to classify them or organize them a little bit better because I forget the automation rule that I created two years ago. <laughs> and then the other thing, the last thing that I would change on automation rules would be the warnings and errors are not always the most helpful. And just having a little bit more insight as to like, oh, why did this fail? <laughs> why did this not work um, is, is probably... The um, the one of the bigger changes that I would that I would make there. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ronnie? What would you change on Jira? I mean, a lot. Um, you reminded me of a few things on my list right there with um, the Renware. Um, again, stay tuned um, on multiple fronts. There, um, Renware is working with a good few people in the Elastic community right now. Um, and but if you guys haven't tried my... them out, let, definitely go check out Instance Auditor for Jira and Confluence. Yes, yes. Um, one of my biggest things is, um, and this is something, I actually wrote an article about this not too long ago, right before Team 23. Um, it, and one of the topics that came up was multiple assignees. Let's say I am working with um, several people on my team on an issue. Right now, that issue only is assigned to one person. Even though we have multiple people working on it, the work is attributed to one person. I am so glad you bring this up because I have such a polarizing opinion that I just want to see what you... (laughs) This is going to be good. Folks, get your popcorn out. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have it. Proceed, proceed. You finish it up. Was that it? Um. 
said there are several ways to implement this. I think the best way to implement this is to use the um, new team feature and just be able to assign a ticket to a team. But that's my two cents there. Um, I am interested in hearing what this juice is. Okay. I'm a huge proponent. I, I evangelize that. <laughs> Look at this. We do. We have popcorn ready. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Sonia. So um, we have, I believe that I absolutely love the fact that you can only assign one person to an issue. It's probably my favorite feature of Atlassian and Jira. And, and the reason that is, is all about accountability, right? I work on some high stake projects where you're, okay, let me rephrase. I have worked on some high stake projects where like your burn rate's a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a day. And when you assign to a team or to a group of individuals, I get a lot of this. I get a lot of like, I thought he was working on it. I thought she was working on it. I thought they were working on it. And nobody really gets the traction. But when I have one person, that's the person I go talk to. That's the person I go put on the spot and get an answer. Again, not very, uh, is that not one very person actually doing the work? It doesn't matter. They're the owner. They're, they own that thing. That's why we have subtasks. We can go and grab subtasks to other people. We can create different stories for other people that are doing different parts of it. But I want to only have one individual who I'm going to go put up against a fire and figure out why isn't it working. You can't do that when you when you diversify it to a team. I mean, yes and no. Enlighten me. Because at the end of the day... Someone's still leading that team. <laughs> and maybe this is your point that um, you put that team lead as the owner. But even then, there's still times where um, having the option, again, let's make it, let's go one step above. Let's make this something that the admin gets set for their individual org, whether this is allowed or not. But um, I just feel like like with teams that I've worked with in the past that want this feature, because there is a workaround, right? The workaround is create extra user picker custom fields like because people want to add like their QA person. They want to add their dev designer. They want to add their product owner, right? Like they just want to add different people that have to contribute to this issue. So there's workarounds, right? But I just, I'm not a, the way I always evangelize this because I'm, I'm putting on not my Jira hat, not not my Jira admin hat, but my scrum master. Man, I really need to learn how to speak better English. <laughs> I'm putting on my scrum master hat. And I really should go get a hat so I can put on a hat. Right? When you allow for a story to be what I call like a relay race, right? Where you pass the baton. Right? Because what other reason would you want multiple people to contribute to a story for? If not like to pass the responsibility or kick the buck type of thing. I mean, I don't see it that way. Well, again, this is why we're bantering. So why, how do you see it? Enlighten me. Um, if you're in a situation where you're letting people kick the butt or kick it or um, pass blame or do whatever, um, the team's already in dysfunction. But every team is in dysfunction, period. There isn't, I've never in my 13 years of doing this, I've ever seen a team that does this correctly. Maybe uh, so. Um, again, but it's, but it's very true though. Like, like one of the, the the most hateful comments I get on my channel is like, 
I made a video that like blew up quite a bit on how to use <laughs> ChatGPT as a Scrum Master to create like stories. And the amount of like comments on like, why would a Scrum Master be creating stories? That's the product owner's job. I'm like, well, clearly you work in some company that has some luxury budgets and stuff because everywhere that I work, it's like one poor soul that gets the job of making all the stories. And it's usually not the product manager, product owner. <laughs> right? So just like the rules that, that, that were designed are not always like the rules that you, they're not always the rules of engagement. Right? So you got to get creative. And this is the beautiful thing about Jira is there's no one way to run Jira. Um, it is a flexible enough tool that it should be able to support both views. It should be able to support the team should, or the tools should be able to mold to the team, not the team to the tool. But, but now would they have to rename the field to assignees? Cause from a technical perspective, it is possible, right? You could just um, use it. They do have the option to have a multi-user picker. Yeah. Thing. I mean, so it's the same with release versions, fixed versions, um components they have a lot of fields they could be one or more yeah but the ui is designed to handle multiple values i feel like because when you put the assignee that assignee doesn't just live on the issue it lives on the board and it lives in your backlog right and so and that's why i'm we... thinking the team is the best way to implement this so but but <laughs> i think the only let's define team because the team that I'm aware of that would work appropriately with this is a Jira premium only feature. It is, and they'd have to open it up. And again, is that such a terrible thing? Well, I kind of <laughs> would like for Atlassian to fix their team section to work properly because their team yeah. section is just horrendous. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think we have um, Bureau and Nikki on. But not tonight, unfortunately. They so when for their 100th episode, I don't know if you've ever. I, I will publicly say this one because I love Nikki and Biro, and I'm sure that there's some good humor here. But I absolutely hate. I don't see the point of that teams field in Jura. Sorry, not team field. The team section up in the top. It used to be called people. Now they renamed it to team, and I just think it causes more confusion than it's actually beneficial, right? Because so so maybe we'll transition about now back to one of my changes to Jira, right? It's like make yes. that dumb team field or team section useful. Because what you can do, what anybody can do is go create a team and put people in it, and then you can add that team and send messages. Yippee, right? I can't share a dashboard with that team. That's only at the group. I can't share a filter with that team, that's only at the group. I can't share a board with that team, that's only at the group, right? And guess who can't see the groups? <laughs> the people making the teams. <laughs> the groups are only visible to the admins. So it's just like, folks, if you're like, yeah, last one, you got to like shift this a little bit, right? We got to either empower the team field or the team section to be more powerful and or bring the groups out so that everybody can see them. I mean, the whole group thing has been a thorn for a while. Um the fact that users who are in these groups, who depend on these groups, who may even be writing queries on these groups, have no visibility or control over these groups. Um, that just makes me, as the admin, the bottleneck. Right, because only you and, yeah, they got to raise a request. or Yeah, because only your admins are going to be able to see this insight 
And mm-hmm. and not only is it a bottleneck, but it's also a, a nuance, right? Because like I get a request a week, I'm like, hey, uh, can I get a list of my users? <laughs> and I'm like, hold up. And then to add insult to injury, Atlassian optimized their export process. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen their op- optimization. I have not yet. So it used to be, it used to be this beautiful thing. You go to your directory, right? You you go to your export button. And you pick the group that you want, group A, and you hit the export button. And instantly in your bottom of your browser or whatever, Firefox, Chrome, you get yourself a file. Now that doesn't happen. What Mm. happens instead is you do the same steps, but rather than you getting a file, you're like, thank you. We'll email you when this is done. And then you got to wait a minute or two or five or 10. You, mm-hmm. you know you already moved on to six tasks down the road on your to-do list, right? In that 30 seconds that elapses. And then you're like, you get your email notification and then you got to re-remember, oh yeah, I started that thing. And then you got to go click on the email and then it takes you to the site and then it downloads. I'm like, why? <laughs> I'd like to think it comes down to machine load. Um, we are talking about how to... Um... Lasting and server's not set on fire. I know again on the data center instances, um, for Confluence and Jira, both exports are processor hard. So, trigger waiting till they have a free spot on whatever export system they have, um, so they don't overload the process is probably the only reason why. But it is terrible user experience. But they used to do it in such a way where you, if you were just exporting like 15, 20, 100 users, it was instantaneous. If you were exporting like 1,000 or 2,000 or whatever, then yeah, you, I, I'm like, I get it. Get, send me an email. Prepare the file. Mm-hmm. It's big. But for these smaller like 100 people groups, like I don't see the load, uh, load being so hard. Like, they used to do it, right? And then they just all of a sudden just made it all universal. But I said, I'm trying to play, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here because I know this back end system <laughs> of um, at least data center, but I'm I'm not inside. I feel like I have to say this a lot. I don't work for Alassian, I'm not inside their development rooms. I have all the same insights everyone else does with them. <laughs> it's just something like I don't know, like some of those little things is like the cringeworthy stuff that I'm just like, oh man, this used to work so nicely. I'll go to my my number one pet peeve, right? Which is now when I go do an advanced search, it just shows me the last 30 days. I don't want to see just the last 30 days. I want to see everything. At the point you're doing an advanced search, you obviously are a at least experienced Jira user who knows JQL. Treat us like it. Yeah, like seriously, because like, and, and somebody on the comment section of that one video that I made uh, maybe a month or two ago is like, well, it's, what's the big deal? I'm like, well, I do unique searches all day long and no two searches are the same, right? Because I'm helping somebody, I'm teaching somebody, right? My, my job requires me to like be, let me tell you this much, right? Out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of requests that I get on a day, no two are ever the same, <laughs> right? So I'm creating mm-hmm. custom JQLs like all day long. And like it is super annoying that like that box is there. <laughs> like why is it there? Why is that last thirty days there? I wish uh, Alaskan would change that. Hey, did you ever catch my little that typo that I found on Alaskan's website yet? I have not, but I haven't had a chance to look for it either. 
Well, why don't we give it to everybody? Because I feel like this was on what episode one. Yeah, I think it's yeah, been it was. Time. So why don't you go back? Share. I think you are sharing your screen. I think we just got to switch to this. And yep. oh, as you're showing, <laughs> you're showing the uh, the behind the Close scenes. notes. Yes. Yeah. And so, just to remind everybody, because we are down here to the last 13 minutes, and, and again, this I think this is in line with Atlassian some changes they need to make because there's a typo here, unless they've changed it. Um, but I don't know that I've made enough noise. But no, go into our Jira. Oh. Right. So click on oh. project and click create project. Okay. And then on the left, pick software development and then pick Scrum first. Okay. Notice that your issue types are epic, story, bug, task, subtask, and your workflow is to do and progress and done. Yes. Click the X on the top right corner there and I'll click, click Kanban. Right. And notice that your issue types are epic, story, bug, task, and subtask. And then your workflow is to do and progress and done. Yes. This is not what actually happens on Jira. Like when you go through the process and you make your, your project, you will not have to do in progress and done. You want to know what you mm. have? Enlighten us. Backlog selected for development and progress and done. Mm. So this is totally not true. Someone copy and pasted and forgot Somebody to edit. <laughs> I'm like, how am I the only one that pays this level of attention um, to this, right? And, and it's really, really annoying. It's really, really confusing because, and I made a video on this uh, over the last couple of weeks here. If you go and pick a Scrum project, right, you're going to have to do in progress and done. And so basically when you plan your sprint, you move an item from your backlog into your sprint. And all that change was a sprint field value is now populated with the name of your sprint, right? Great. So then when I start my sprint, I'm in to do, then I move it to in progress, and then I move it to done, and we're done with the sprint, right? But in Kanban, it doesn't work that way. Your backlog is a movement of a transition from backlog to selected for development. There is no sprint in your Kanban. So your to do doesn't work. Right, because if you if you were to have to do in progress and done, you would your to do would be your backlog, and so your movement to your selected for development would be moving it to in progress, so you're immediately in progress. But they Atlassian knows it, so they don't even give you like that's not an option, right? That's not the workflow you get, and so by design they give you that backlog selected for development in progress and done, but they're 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 diagram. Do you know long. why selected for development exists though? No, I don't know. This that is one. a hack. Backlog used to not exist in Kanban. It was not a feature. It's not something um, people had. Everything you created was instantly on your Kanban board. Instantly set up for development. I mean, it still is today. I mean, no, it was still to do, but to do took the spot of selected for development. And that was that first column of your Kanban board. And um, just anything you created was that was your backlog, was that first slot. Which led to massive, massive Kanban boards. But it's it's still there. It, it's still how it works today. Mm -hmm. All they've done is your your Kanban board will start with backlog, but it, unless because you have to enable the backlog mm -hmm. in a Kanban board for it to hide those issues. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, you can you could throw up a thousand issues and it's just gonna have massive, massive board even still today. 
So yeah, um, the selective for development was very much a hack because this is what people were doing on their own to their Jira instances to have a pseudo backlog, but then they couldn't <laughs> sort it anything. Um, there was no page dedicated for it. They just have the issue screen or a JQL query for this. And then they move something to the new status. So Elastin adopted that. They formalized it. That's how we got the well, they just workflow. forgot to update their, their, their UI then. <laughs> exactly. They forgot to update the um, documentation. <laughs> that is just like, it's just so interesting. And again, so many people just breeze right through it and like never look. And, and other people do look at it, right? Because I've got an ask. So like, hey, how come this looks different? Um, but but yeah, it's, it's just interesting to like until you really like sit down and like try to find out the mechanics of how these two different boards work, you wouldn't really appreciate um, what's going on there. Yep. So obviously, I would want to change a lot of stuff. <laughs> Anything else you would like to change? There is one more. Um, looking at clock, I, yeah, I think we got time for this. We got a, we got a few minutes. So. Alex, let me. I'm going to tell you a story and let me know if you've been here. You get a request in for a new field. They want a single select field. They have all the details. Everything's in place. There's actual need there. Um, it's something you can and do approve. Um, goes through your governance just fine. You create the field. You get it in place. And they're using it for about two weeks invariably two weeks about two weeks later they come back to you and say that single select field we actually want it to be a multi-select field oh just say no more you got me <laughs> i know exactly what the question is <laughs> we want to change the field type oh i should say i should not ladies and gentlemen what's the one thing you can't do in jira change the field even type. today change the field type and and you can't and and like I again I love this like add insult to injury <laughs> thing. You can't even like create the new one with the new issue type because you can't have the like like you can't duplicate it or stuff, right? So it's like it'll complain. So like you gotta go delete the <laughs> other one. <laughs> but you need to preserve that data somehow. Right. And it's so then you gotta go create something with a different name and put it in. And then come back and clean up. Like so, yeah. I have uh, definitely <laughs> have been there many a times, and that's why I always ask people when when I'm getting a custom field, I, I got like a checklist. I'm like, is this what you want? Are you sure? Because once you pick it, you ain't changing it. And to be very very honest, not all the teams that I work with are software development teams, so I try to offer up for them to use the component field, because another thing, uh, Ronnie, that you I mean, we're kind of almost entering team-managed project territory here, which I absolutely hate, by the way, in case you all didn't know, mm. right? But there is such a way that, or there should be at least such a way that um, you don't need just, I mean, I don't know that you, I don't know that this is a bad thing, right? right? But it is annoying that only the Jira admin can go in and add more values to those options. But again, it's, it's a good thing, right? Because I don't think I would want everybody to just go add whatever. But at the same time, um, it would take a load off the developer, <laughs> or sorry, your Jira admin, if you weren't the only like single point of failure or your, or your roadblock um, bottleneck, really, for for these some of these changes. Oh, yeah. at last, and we love you so much. Yet, 
just let us let us change the field types natively in Jira. You gotta think you like have that. you have whole processes when we want to change the workflow or workflow scheme, like go through, migrate it. If we want to change the screens or field configuration, go through. You have all these processes. Give us that for field types. Well, we'll talk to our buddies over at Renware. Can we do it in Instance Auditor? Change the field type. <laughs> Is there an API that, that can be exposed that maybe we just don't see on the, on the front end? Or a process you have to, that you can automate for us. But I knew, I don't know a Jira admin who doesn't feel that story in their heart. <laughs> definitely. I didn't even have, you didn't have to finish the story when I already knew what the heck you were going to talk about there because... <laughs> I've been there many, many, many a times and definitely more of an annoying than anything else. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up here on the end, folks. Um, just want to thank everybody in the peanut gallery. Uh, if Just to kind of remind everybody from the beginning here, right? We, we do want to treat this peanut gallery as like the premier folks, right? We, I was trying to figure out like, why did it? I don't even want to get all political, but I'm assuming the peanut gallery has something to do with like our history of the United States or something. It actually goes back to England. Okay, so um, England. It was the um, cheap sheet seats at theaters for plays. And um, they were known for being rowdy because um, they were uncivilized folks. <laughs> and they would throw their food, Peanut. which most commonly or not was <clears throat> peanuts. Did you see the stunt that um, KSI and Logan Paul pulled recently? I have not. So not to sponsor them or do anything, but these people are marketing geniuses, right? They, um, so peanut, so for the peanut gallery here, right? Like you very much can do exactly what I'm about to say, but relative to the peanut gallery. Okay. So in case y'all didn't know, Jura, sorry, Jura, YouTube takes a lot of signals of everything, right? They're, they're seeing how many people are staying on, who's watching, how long are they watching for? And one of the major signals that they're looking with respect to the live stream is, how active is the peanut gallery? How active is that comment section, right? And so they're looking for people, right? So this is when you see live streamers like your your PewDiePie and and like your um, ninjas and stuff where that comments thing is just going like this, right? Because you just can't see from all the comments, right? Because so many people are joining in that YouTube's like, clearly somebody's having a blast over there. So let's just go promote this to even more people, right? So you guys do play a very critical role to our success here and and making sure that you're at least saying hi, you're laughing, you're acknowledging our dumb little dad jokes and stuff like that like it, it helps <laughs> tremendously um when you all interact in the comment section there right and so what what logan paul and, and and ksi did was they they were at a some event they were doing a launch for their prime drink that they that they're launched and whatever and they told their audience to like chuck the empty bottles at them like if they were mad and the media went crazy they're like Fans start throwing bottles at Prime Energy or drinks or whatever to Logan Paul and KSI. And like they got hundreds of millions of impressions for free without spending a penny in marketing mm -hmm. dollars. And so, folks, blow up <laughs> the peanut gallery section here, which is why we want to. It's a very strategic thing, right? Like we want to build it as a community, but we also want to encourage growth for the channel. And this is like a super easy way where you get your voice heard. You get to be represented. You get your questions answered. Jura, uh, Rodney and I, we spend like all day in Jura and we know this stuff, right? And so mm -hmm. 
it's very, very expensive to get access to somebody like Ronnie and I. And for <laughs> one hour once a week, you get literally 100% free access to the two people that know Jared are probably the best. And um, you should take advantage of that. You should definitely help and, and contribute and post your questions in that peanut gallery section there. And we want to name it something cool, right? Like, oh, I think I do like the peanut gallery section, right? But maybe we'll make like um, emojis or something for, for our folks here that are true supporters that show up each and every every week. I still like lifers. <laughs> but as I said, peanut gallery is also, I mean, that's what I call them now. It's becoming ingrained. So yeah, no, we, I think that may be what it, they are it really quickly, but yeah, the peanut gallery, I'm starting to put in all of our marketing material on LinkedIn and stuff. I'm like, you guys got to join the peanut gallery. Cause that's the place to be. And so you want to definitely make sure that you're, you're supporting here and, and saying hello, saying hi, again, humoring us, answer your, asking your questions um, and just kind of, you know, make it fun, make it interactive. And I will close out with this, that if you ever do want to join us live, we do have spot for eight more people. And so feel free to just send us a DM here and we would be more than happy to extend an invitation and a link so that you can join us in vivo and, and watch or join us and just, you know, join, join with the audio. Uh, a couple of things that we are working in development. So we're working on getting some guest speakers. So there's been interest in the community here to be a guest on the podcast. So definitely going to open that up so if you if you want to just come on and talk and you have like a topic and you want to talk about it again send ronnie and i a dm our linkedins are available so you can go get a hold of us on twitter as well um if you've also made it this far and you haven't subscribed that's one of the best ways to help support the channel right now as we're in our infancy state go smash mm -hmm. the subscribe button share this video like it um recommend it to your friends when we post on social media if you want to like repost if you want to comment on our posts right all these are signals that just like help the algorithm out and um until we get some momentum right it's going to be a little bit rocky and a little bit bumpy um but yeah we appreciate every single like every single comment every single subscription right every everything that you all do to kind of help support the channel it just it it, it, it is very important right and especially right now in this very very infant state um what else you got ronnie all right well um it's time for our outro. Um, thank you guys for joining us here at the Jira Life. Um, my colleague here is Alex, the Jira Judge um, Ortiz. You can find him at youtube.com slash um, at a tech tutorials, all one word. Um, you should definitely check out him this week. He managed to get Jimmy on. Jimmy's an incredible resource community. Absolutely check out his channel. Um, he's got Atlassian 2, uh, Summer of Atlassian 2.0 in full swing. So he is having content out almost every day. Every, um, my day, every is, weekday. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Rodney. You can find my blog at Um This week I took some um, questions from some readers who um, are new to the ecosystem and um, had some thought, some questions, and I answered them. Um, blog is also where you can find show notes for this. Um, you can catch this podcast live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern um, at youtube.com slash the zero life. Um, you can also find the podcast at Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. If you think this podcast deserves a rating, it definitely helps us out. It's yet another one of those signals that lets the algorithms know, hey, this is good content. Let's share it out more. Um, and as always, we didn't choose the zero life. The zero life chose us.